Parevces, Urachem Vort Miat Selek Met Sagrin, Yesas Bed Tavit Medzorianem, Tiv Make Ararat Talijits. Happy New Year and welcome to Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast. I'm David Medzorian, an Asped of Ararat Lodge Number One here in Boston. And I hope that you and your loved ones had an enjoyable and blessed holiday season, and that for you, 2024 is off to a great start. So how many of you have ever been to Armenia? How many of you have never visited our motherland, but would like to? Perhaps you want to know when the best time is to go. How easy is it to get there? Once you're there, where should you stay? How would you get around? Transfer money? Find a good place to eat? Get tickets for a performance or see the beautiful historical sites? Well, as you'll soon hear from many of these questions, there is more than one right answer. There are options, and we'll explain them all in these next two episodes of the Talking Vartan podcast. We'll have some travel tips for you from a travel expert who's done it all, and whose YouTube channel is aimed at helping us all to be better Armenian travelers. Now, I've been traveling my entire adult life. I have been all over Europe. I visited France, Italy, Germany, Ireland, just to name a few. I've been to England more times than I can count. And one of my favorite places to go when I just want to get away from it all and enjoy some tranquility is Austria. In particular, Hallstatt in the Salzkammergut Lake District between Salzburg and Vienna. My parents, Nachkin Spadebed Jack Medzorian, who passed away in 2020, and my mother, Nachkin Didui Eva Medzorian, have also traveled the world. My father, mostly for business at first, to Holland, Germany, and England. But in 1972, they visited what was then Soviet Armenia for the very first time. It was a very different place back then. Now, both of them are children of genocide survivors, so the trip had a very special meaning for both of them. From that year on until 2018, my parents would visit Armenia twice a year, staying for three weeks on each visit. That's nearly 100 trips to Armenia, and they didn't limit their time in Armenia just to Yerevan. They traveled throughout the country from one end to the other, visiting each of the provinces, and spending considerable time in each region. Their favorite, and the one where they spent the most time and referred to as their second home in Armenia, was the northeastern region known as Tavush, and in particular, the city of Bert. In June of 2011, at my parents' urging, our entire family, mom and dad, my sister and two brothers and a few spouses, and all five grandchildren went to Armenia. We have family in Yerevan, and it was wonderful to meet and spend time with them all. My father also wanted us to see historical Armenia. And during the week that we were there, we toured nearly two dozen sites and must have visited at least eight or nine churches and monasteries. Dad had a full schedule for each day, which was fine. But my one regret about that trip was that there was no free time to just get out and explore on my own to walk around at my own pace and just, to use that old term, be in the moment. After I joined the Knights of Vartan in 2017, I looked forward to visiting Armenia once again, this time as an Asped and as part of the annual Veratats Haidenik pilgrimage. 
I couldn't get to Armenia in 2018, and my father's declining health kept me from going the following year. Then COVID hit, and suddenly nobody was going anywhere. When travel restrictions were loosened, and after I had been vaccinated, I booked my own trip to Armenia, a planned seven-week stay from September through most of October. Although I had to shorten my trip to just one month, it was nonetheless a life-changing experience for me. On my first morning in Yerevan, I went to the Cascade and quickly went to the top of the 572-step complex. Looking out at the beautiful city of Yerevan with the mountains of Ararat looming in the distance, I instantly felt at home. I have never felt that way in any other country that I visited. I spent a week in Tavush, where my parents had spent so much time, and I fell in love with it. I met people there who were now dear friends. And later, I spent a week with my fellow knights and daughters of Vartan and other guests during our Veratats Haidenik pilgrimage. It was incredible. I will visit Armenia again this year, and I can't wait. With every foreign trip, there are things you need to do before and during to make sure that you have the best time and the most fulfilling trip possible. There are, of course, many factors involved, like how long do you plan to stay and what do you plan on doing when you're there? First and foremost, and this information comes directly from the United States State Department and the Embassy of the Republic of Armenia. If you are coming from the United States, or anywhere in the world for that matter, and you have a valid U.S. passport, then that is all you will need to travel to Armenia. And I emphasize valid, because I was prevented from going to Armenia not that long ago, and I had a rather unpleasant time at the airport because my newly renewed passport, through no fault of my own, was not valid for travel to Armenia and some other countries. I was given the wrong type of passport. This was still during COVID. Now, I got it taken care of, but it took a little while and it ruined that trip for me. I couldn't go. So make sure your passport is valid for foreign travel, including Armenia, and you're good to go. And now it's time to introduce you to my guest. Patil Tutunjan has been traveling since childhood and for the last few years, she's been chronicling her journeys, particularly through Armenia, on a YouTube channel that she created called, aptly enough, The Armenian Traveler. In her videos, she takes us along as she travels throughout the country, giving great advice on how to make the most out of your visit to Armenia. She shares these experiences, some of which for her were learning experiences because let's face it, things don't always go as planned and therefore, and I can certainly attest to this, sometimes you just have to improvise. Patil also encourages us to step out of our comfort zone at times and try something new, for it's all part of the travel experience, having a broader perspective. Now, you would think that with a YouTube channel called The Armenian Traveler, Patil Tutunjan would spend most of, if not all of her time, in Armenia. But she's even now continuing her foreign travels, and I caught up with her in Germany. Patil, first I want to welcome you to the Talking Vartan podcast, and uh, I guess I should be saying, instead of Parevtses, Guten Tag, because you're speaking to us from Germany. Where in Germany are you right now? Also, um, I'm in Munich right now. I just arrived yesterday. My first time here. 
How do you like it? I was in Berlin just a few months ago and, and had a wonderful time. How do you like Munich so far? Oh, very cool. Um, I love it. it we're, we're having a bit of a bad weather, but I'm trying to not let that stop me and just kind of walking around under the rain and just uh, exploring still. But don't you think that that's important for people to understand is that, you know, when you go somewhere, no matter where it is, whether it's Armenia, Europe, the U.S., whatever, you can't let the weather stop you from having a good time. That's what umbrellas are for. Because otherwise you could end up sticking up. What are you going to do? Stay in your hotel the whole time and, and just watch it all exactly. pass you by? Yeah, I, 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 Exactly. Tell me what, it, what started your love of travel and how that love of travel eventually evolved into this really incredible YouTube channel of yours, which is called The Armenian Traveler. I think traveling evolved uh, it, like the interest of traveling evolved in me since I was a kid I always knew I loved traveling uh, I was actually born and raised in Syria I don't know if um, a lot of the audience knows that um, so I was I'm an Armenian born and raised in Syria in a very much Armenian community and being from Syria um, I think traveling is not as easy as one would hope so with the visa applications and everything that you have to go through but I was lucky to be um, in a family that also enjoyed that, including my dad. He's, uh, he, he loves traveling as well. So I think maybe it's also a little bit of my DNA. Um, so we did travel a lot as kids. And I remember every time I traveled, I was so excited um, seeing other cultures, other people and how other people live their lives, their everyday lives. And I thought that's what everybody loves. And now as I'm growing up, I'm realizing it's not what everyone loves. But, um, you know, it was something that I was very interested in early on. Um, we moved to Canada actually when I was 17 and that was uh, a very big change for me and uh, I lived there for about eight, nine years uh, before realizing that something for me was missing and I think that's um, due to the fact that in Aleppo in Syria we had we grew up in a very um, Armenian community so everything I've done with activities, going to school, my friends, everyone was Ar Armenian. Um, which now looking back is something maybe I took for granted a little bit. And being in Canada, my focus was I was 17 when I moved there. So, you know, graduating high school and going to university, picking my career. There was a lot of things that were going on and that and I was meeting a lot of new people, obviously, with that um, with that new life. And uh, I realized that every time I introduce myself, uh, people ask me, what's that name? Where are you from? And when I tell people I'm from Syria, but I'm Armenian, there's a lot of questions and even a lack of awareness of what being an Armenian is oh, or yeah. even as simple. Yeah, like very, very much. And something as simple as the, the lunch food that you bring with you to your work and people are, what are you eating? What you is too? this? And yeah. then you start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and it's, it becomes part of your everyday that you're introducing your culture to people. And I realized that I'm kind of, that's what I'm doing every day more than, you know, the work that I was doing. Um, with that being said, I did find uh, myself lacking the sense of belonging and the sense of kind of purpose that in my life, even though everything was kind of going picture perfect, according to other people um, that were saying, this is awesome. You've been in Canada for only this long and you have this career. My career, my background is in marketing, but still I wasn't happy. And I was kind of doing some soul searching, I guess, let's call it to realize why that is. And I thought that maybe it is because my focus has shifted from when I was in Syria to what I was doing in Canada. 
Um, and I think it was a very much a spare of the moment decision for me to um, drop everything. And I actually went to Armenia. I saw online that there was a, an opportunity to volunteer in Armenia through Birthright Armenia. Let's plug that program in as well. They're very, um, it's a very good program, I think. Mm-hmm. Um for you to not just visit Armenia as a tourist, but to integrate yourself and actually go there and live there the day-to-day life, go, go to work every day, even if it's volunteering, and uh, really integrate yourself with the local community. Um, so it was in 2018 when I decided to do that. It was December, so I guess we can say 2018, 2019, when I started that journey. And I only bought a one-way ticket with the intention of I wanted to allow myself to decide when I want to go back, uh, regardless of the timeline strength that, that I put in place beforehand, because you don't know what that experience is going to be until you get there and see how you actually feel, um, which I find now looking back, I find that I'm adopting that kind of mentality in a lot of the travels that I do. Um, in a lot of the places that I go, I don't know how long I'm staying and I kind of take things as they come. I want to have that flexibility, which um, obviously also you have to think about sustainability when you're doing that, which we can cover a little bit later. Uh, but with that being said, when I arrived to Armenia, I found myself that I ended up living there for a few years instead of just going for volunteering for a few months. Um then in 2020, I wanted to visit my family in Canada. So I just went there and the intention at that point was to go for a little vacation, a couple of weeks, maybe a month tops. Uh, however, as we all know, the borders closed and the COVID hit and everything was shut down. So going back uh, was not an option. Um, later during the year, I believe every Armenian's uh, focus shifted uh, with the war in Artsakh. Um, and there was a lot of online community um, that was created on social channels. And I was able to meet a lot of Armenians from different uh, parts of the world with the same vision, same mission. And we were connecting online. And I started doing a little bit of um, interviews with them, just kind of trying to put the spotlight on Armenians from around the world who are working on initiatives, whatever it was, whether it's businesses or uh, non-for-profits, or even if someone was an artist that is trying to kind of convey a message or anything like that, um, which I also was doing through my um, online business, Dadik Streetwear, which um, focuses on bringing um, the designs of Armenian artists from the world uh, from around the world on to our day-to-day life with through streetwear. So that's a separate kind of initiative that I was working on and I'm, I'm currently still working on. Um, as soon as the borders opened up, I wanted to naturally go back to Armenia. And uh, because I was already being very active online, I thought I'll share some clips of what does it look like to travel because even though the borders were open, but COVID was still very much a part of the discussion. Um, So I just kind of, if you go back on my YouTube channel, the first video I made was me just like traveling during COVID. Yes, I was filming the way. Yeah, I think it was like a three minute, four minute video, a very short one. Um, just showing people what the airport looks like. And from that video, I started receiving so many messages that were uh, question related. Like, uh, can you get the e-visa or uh, sorry, can you get the on-arrival visa or should you do it as an e-visa or do they let people from here come? Like, there were so many questions that I found myself that answering each question turned into a video um, itself. So 
that was kind of the way that the entire like the the YouTube channel came to be um, and also taking with me all that kind of knowledge that there is a lot of people who are unaware whether Armenians non-Armenians that are not aware um, of what life in Armenia looks like I remember even when I told my co-workers I'm leaving to go volunteer in Armenia they asked me if I will have access to the internet and will I be able to stay in touch with them yeah. which was yeah, like, like it, that was an eye-opening question for sure. me is that people don't realize like a lot what of people, are the day-to-day. Patil, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. There, I have, there are people that I know who, when you mention the name Armenia, they see it as a third-world country because they know either very little or nothing about it. and Or what they do know are the little snippets they hear on the news here in the States, you know, which would be more about the uh, crisis in Artsakh or the war in 2020 or you name it, but the country itself, or they go back to, oh, didn't they have a really bad earthquake there back in like 30, 40 years ago? And it's sad that that's really all so many people know. And I think your idea, though, of trying to spread, because you're not only giving people advice and and tips on how to have a better trip, depending on wherever they're going, but you're also introducing them to the truth, the culture, what Armenia really is, how it represents itself throughout the world. And a lot of people really need to know that, especially now in this post-COVID world. I say post-COVID, we're not totally out of it yet, but still at the same time, you know, travel is, is certainly has picked up in the last couple of years. You have actually had a chance, now your, most, some of your more recent trips in which you have also documented on the Armenian Traveler YouTube channel, which you both found and host, is Cyprus, you've been to France, you've been to Spain, you've been to Canada. The best thing that you can give as a gift to someone else when it comes to travel, and tell me if you agree with me on this, is a broader perspective. That there, you know, not everybody thinks the way you do, not everybody experiences life the way you do, and uh, not everybody has the same opportunities that you do. When you started doing the videos, which was now, again, as you said, only in the last couple of years, one of the ones that I saw that I absolutely fell in love with, because I'm a morning person, is what to do, you know, at seven o'clock in the morning. What's open at seven o'clock in the morning in Yerevan? And I'm like, finally, because I'm up at five when I'm there, <laughs> I'm a, I go out for my run, I have, and I'm looking around and it's like, you have, the city is bare, nobody's up yet. And all of a sudden, there you are walking around with a cup of coffee at 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, where did she get that? (laughs) I really want to know. (laughs) Watch the videos and you'll find out. When people want to go to Armenia, now we're talking to an American audience here for the most part. Although many of our Mm -hmm. members of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan are from other parts of the world. Some are from Armenia. Some are from Lebanon. Some are from Canada. Some are from other countries in Europe and the Middle East, but for people who are planning to go there, whether it is their first time, and especially for those who are going for the first time, or the more seasoned traveler, what are some mm-hmm. of the most important things they need to think about before planning such a trip? It is, you know, I've traveled all over Western Europe, and, and I have for many, many years. Um, and Armenia, to me, although easy to get around. It's not difficult in my personal opinion. It is different in some ways than traveling Mm -hmm. in other parts of the world, particularly in Europe. 
What to you are some of the things that people really should focus on when they are planning a trip to Armenia, whether it's for a week or a month? What are the things they should think about first? Awesome. I, I love this question because um, you're absolutely right. It's very different. Um, and now being in Europe, I'm kind of seeing certain questions that I used to get about Armenia and understanding where those questions come from. Um, because like I was saying earlier, with every video, people think of new questions or things um, that they would let me know in the comments, which I love that part of the channel as well. It is a community. Um, I don't want it to be like an echo, echo chamber, chamber or something like that, where it's like or a one-way communication. So I, I love that part. So when it comes to traveling to Armenia, some of the questions that I get um, the most is when people are planning is, uh, regarding to the place to stay. Um, so for me personally, everywhere I go, I personally prefer to um, rent an apartment um, that is kind of prepared and decorated by a local, if that makes sense, oh, yeah. um, to kind of get the that experience of like being in a local um, house to get to, to see how, how everything is like really trying to integrate as much as possible. Um, if you are traveling to Armenia for a month or over a month, you can even um, Airbnbs exist in Armenia, which is uh, another kind of conception that a lot of people think that they don't. Um, so there is Airbnb in Armenia and it's easy to, um, you know, book it online just like you would in any other city or country. Sure. But when it comes to renting apartments, I did actually make a full video on that because it's difficult to kind of explain how everything is because there's there are a couple of websites like list.am um, or you can even do like a longer rental through Airbnb. Uh, however, there's some Facebook groups and there's other links that that kind of emerge and then you can post there that you're looking for it. So I think even looking for um, the local groups for the city or the country that you're going to beforehand, I guess we can focus on Armenia a little bit. There's a lot of groups, um, you know, traveling groups to Armenia, people who live there, expats, repats, groups. Uh, it's I usually find it, I've done the same when I went to Cyprus. I find it very um, informative to join these groups before going there and asking the questions um, that you might think of that are very, um, re like, very niche related to the living there, you know, so it's not necessarily... Um, a very broad question that you could Google the answer to, but it's a very specific question. So um, this part I find very useful to do before going to a place. Um, and also automatically when you join these groups, you understand kind of what's going on there right now from the people who are there. Um, so whether it's events, um, whether it's weather related things or anything that is kind of, you know, something that you might not even think of asking before going there. So I think this is a, a an important one. Um, other than that, the questions I get a lot is regarding speaking English or, you know, do I need to know Armenian? That was my next um, question. Again, I... Because I don't yeah, speak it's, fluent. It's, I don't speak fluent Armenian. I mean, I can understand it pretty well, but I don't speak it fluently. And to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't really have a problem over there at all. And there were many reasons for I, that because so many... Well, as you know... You walk down the streets, the roads, the road signs, especially in Yerevan, they're multiple languages. So I have no problem finding mm -hmm. Pushkin Avenue or Armenian Street or any of those roads because they're they're quite easy to understand. And the same goes for so many other things in the city and, the you know, menu, public menus and, and you name it. But so you really don't need to be fluent to make it work. And you've mentioned this in one of your videos as well in terms of preparing for your Armenian trip. Mm -hmm. 
I, I even went to uh, Gumri for one of the videos um, because we had a volunteer in Birthright Armenia, actually, that she was from London and she spoke no Armenian. Um, and Gumri, uh, like you were saying earlier, with Yerevan, it's much easier because you everything like menus and signs and um, even applications, everything is available also in English and people do speak uh, English. Uh, the majority will speak English as well. But in Gyumri, that's less. So she was she not only able to get by, but she also ended up learning Armenian because she was living with a host family that spoke Armenian. Um, and she was going to volunteering and she was able to, of course, at the beginning, you're make, you know, you're speaking with like pointing at things sure. and trying to understand <laughs> each other. But it's, you know, as long as you're open to that experience and open to knowing that that's going to happen and being prepared for it. Um, I haven't heard from anyone that they've had uh, an issue visiting Armenia and not knowing Armenian because um, I know it's a, it's not an easy language to learn, but it's there's definitely you can get by there. But there's always an advantage to knowing at least a few phrases before you go over there. You know, I mean, gosh, the two most important, the please and thank yous. And to be able yeah. to, to greet someone at least and to, you know, say basic things like, you know, where's the bathroom? Things of that sort. I mean, there are just certain <laughs> phrases that I are certainly to your advantage to know. And I think the people there, at least they did with me, they appreciate it when they see you trying to speak their language and know that you can't fluently, but at least are making an effort to try to communicate with them because, you know, some people in some, and maybe not, not in Armenia, perhaps, I don't know, but in other European countries, you know, if you go there and you just assume that everybody speaks English and that they're going to speak yeah. your language, no, doesn't work that way. And so, you know, before I was in, before I went to Germany, I learned a few phrases in German. I knew a little bit anyway, you know, and then I, I, I know a little French, so I didn't have too much of a problem in Paris. But uh, it really is a big help. And it makes you feel, don't you agree, more integrated in the community of where you are. If you can at least perhaps, you know, to greet somebody or to say thank you or to, you know, get by in the smallest possible way with a few phrases in their language. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. And and I think that was going to be my next point is, um, you know, even saying Parev says like uh, hello in Armenian when you walk into a store, grocery store, anything like a restaurant or anything like that. Um, it's the same everywhere in the world. And I think uh, a lot of times people forget that that also exists. Like you were saying, France is a great example. If you walk in and just greet them in French, the entire interaction changes based on that one word that you've learned. So Absolutely. even just knowing a couple of words here and there, it does change the experience and not just yours, but also the person who's there, you know, like gre like greeting you as well and how they re uh, receive you afterwards. I think the tone changes because it does show that you're putting that effort um, into integrating yourself. Because I think specifically with Armenia, one thing um, that I've seen happen a lot, and I know I've done this a lot too, and every time, everywhere I go, but also specifically Armenia, that I try to put a conscious effort into not doing is, um, first of all, comparing it to a different country. Like everywhere I go, I try to see it for what that country is and having an open mind to what they are and how their traditions are. Um, and also not saying things like, well, that's how we do it there. Or that's how, you know, like oh, coming yeah. in with that perception that we do it the right way. And then I'm here to fix it for you or something like that. Sure. So I think just having see what that your reception will be when you say that to somebody over there, <laughs> it won't be, a yeah, good one. Exactly. it will not be a good one. So 
When people decide that they want to go, and sometimes they do it months in advance, you know, or even a year in advance, um, which does give them time, obviously, to plan. There are many different airlines that will fly. And again, we're talking from an American point of view here that fly mm-hmm. from the United States to Armenia. The fact you can even fly nonstop from Los Angeles to Yerevan, which to me is astounding. But, you know, from Boston here on the East Coast where I live, um, you know, there are, I think, five or six different airlines that have connections to Armenia from here. And uh, one of them is Qatar. There is Air France. There is Lufthansa um, and a number and a couple of others as well. And no matter which way you look at it, no matter which airline you take, no matter which route you take, it's a long flight. No way around that. Yeah. Okay. It is. I mean, it's yeah. 12, it's, it's 12 hours. When I fly, I, I fly through Qatar and it's a 12 hour flight from here to, from here to uh, there, from Boston to Qatar. And then another, after a couple of hours of layover, then another about two and a half or three hours to Yerevan. And so I always end up getting there in the middle of the night at about between one and two o'clock in the morning, local time. Mm-hmm. And the very first thing I do And I've heard you talk about this and give me your thoughts on it. To me, the first thing I want to be able to do is to stay in touch and stay connected with my family and the rest of the world. And in this age of the smartphone, that means being able to get online and being able to call from wherever you happen to be. Now, when I arrive at Zvartnots Airport, even in the early hours of the morning, I go right over to the VivaCell desk that they have there which is one of the phone carriers in Armenia, for those who don't know. And because I have an iPhone that has two SIM card slots in it, I am literally able to get, and already have, it's mine now, a separate phone number for my time in Armenia. It costs Mm -hmm. very little. I was so shocked when I found out how inexpensive it was. You get that, and then that gives you not only the ability to call within Armenia and all of that, but then you also have internet access, which is extremely important today to be able to stay connected with loved ones and also just as a news junkie like me, know what's going on in the world while I'm there. Mm -hmm. But I know there are other ways to do that because in some cases, you know, if you have a phone carrier, there are plans where you could increase your phone plan to include international calls and do it that way, which is fine I don't know if that's something that you do if you're gone for a fairly short period of time, but if you're going to be gone for a long time, like weeks or a month or something, that can get rather pricey. So what what advice do you have for people to stay connected when they're in Armenia? I love the experience that you just uh, described because that's exactly what I always tell in my videos for people to do is, and they're going to think I'm sponsored by VivaCell. I'm not, but <laughs> it, I've been with, yeah, like I've been with them since 2018 and it's to your point, it's very simple. I think also for me, like even when I go to visit Canada for uh, a month or even two months, I it's always a struggle for me to get a SIM card because there's contracts related. There's, um, you know, you the minimum, I don't know, plan is for a hundred something dollars. And yeah. you're just kind of stuck. Like, I don't, that that was not part of the plan for this trip. And you end up paying for e-SIM cards. And though those are also expensive. So in Armenia, like, it's very, very simple. To your point, it's um, Viva Cell Place for the key. It's like a little store in, yeah. in the airport before you leave. And it's a small airport. So it's not, you know, that difficult to find. 
um, you just walk in the SIM card itself. The the card I believe is for free, and then the plan itself is like very less than ten dollars. Yeah, so it's nothing. You get. Yeah, you pick which plan you want. And then the reason why I also always tell people to do that before, because there are also a few Viva Cell stores that are open 24 hours in in the center. Mm -hmm. However, the reason why I tell people to do it before they leave the airport is to actually order a taxi through Gigi Taxi application, which is also my, I always refer them um, when people ask me about getting around, um, is to not take the taxi from the airport, like the airport taxis that they will actually come and, you know, offer you like they will just come to you and say taxi taxi yeah. i usually don't take i had a ones. bad um, i had a bad experience with that yeah. uh, patil on my last trip on my last day i was coming from the airport and i was going to my cousin's home in yerevan and this person walked up to me in his broken english and said taxi taxi i'll take you i'll take you i'll take you stupid me i went with him the whole time we were riding i felt like we were going the long way around to nowhere and he kept saying to me over and over and over again, I'm doing a good job, right? I'm doing a great job. Yes, you like my taxi, <laughs> you like my driving. And I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. He ended up not being able to find where I was going, even though he had the address. I actually had to call my cousin up who had to talk him to where he needed to be. And it wasn't a difficult place to find. And he wanted this absolutely exorbitant amount of money. Who, when, when I mentioned it to my cousin, mm -hmm. he said, oh, no, 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 no. He's, he's cheating you. <laughs> Don't you dare yeah. give him that much money. And I didn't. Um, and so he ended up driving away pretty angry. But, you know, it was a lesson that I learned. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right. The, the Gigi app, and for, for people who don't know, I think we should explain that that is like what we have over here. Um, it is an app that you can have on your phone. And just like we do, for example, with Uber and Lyft here in the States, you can hire a taxi or a car to come and pick you up from wherever you are and take you wherever you need to go. And when they get there, they're going to know where they need to go and they'll get you there. And I mean, I did that um, before I had rented a car in Yerevan and I never had a bad experience. I'm not saying that that never happens, yeah. but I never had a bad experience. No, go ahead, please. No, I was just going to reiterate on that. I've never had a bad experience with um, the Gigi app either. There are a couple of other apps. Um, Yandex, for example, they have a kiosk in the airport. And when uh, one time my phone died when I was in the airport and I was dropping uh, friends off at the airport and I was going to go back to the center. And um, I because my phone was dead, I said, OK, I'll go ask the Yandex um, kiosk how much it would be. And the price they gave me was uh, three times what I would probably pay so i actually said no and then i went and charged my i found the phone charger charged my phone and then ended up calling Gigi because i also have my card connected which is um some something to note similar to the uber or the lyft app yes where at the end you don't have to have that awkward you know time where like uh, you give them especially if it's your first time and you're not familiar with the bills or you don't actually have cash on hand um, you can connect your card and just kind of, and the Gigi drivers rarely even talk in the, in the car, which is uh, for me a huge plus because I, I'm not a huge talker when it comes to riding transport. And, um, you know, they don't ask you personal questions uh, on how much you make or where you're living oh. or if you're married, which are happens there some a lot. Who do, are there some uh, who do that? Really? I, I never. Yeah, like uh, not. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. If you're taking the taxi from like, you know, just a regular street taxi, it's, 
um, you know, they're just curious to know they're not doing it in any bad intention. It's just not my personality to engage in these types of conversations. And, you know, so they do ask a lot of questions. And if people have this experience, I just want to say, I don't think they're, they have any bad intentions when they're asking. They're just curious. They want to get to know you, especially if you're coming from the airport, like, they want to know where you came from and, you know, if you're visiting because it's exciting for them, you know, someone's visiting and they're very hospitable um, people. So I, I personally think that's their intention, but I'm just not a big talker when it comes to that. So I, I prefer to take the GG and just get, get to the place, especially after a long flight. So is that your best recommendation then for getting from the from Zavartnots airport into the city is just have the GG app available and use that to get transportation into the city as opposed to just walking over to the taxi stand or having somebody come up to you, which they will, and saying, they taxi, will. <laughs> taxi, 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 Gigi is the way to go, or one of those type of apps absolutely. is the way to go. Okay. So once you're yeah, in the city, absolutely. once you're in the city and you've settled in and you know where you're going to stay, the first, to me, one thing I always like to do is just to acclimate myself to my surroundings. And I am, you know, everybody mm-hmm. has their individual tastes and all that. When I'm in Yerevan, I like to be as close, and this is just my personal preference, I like to be as close to the city center as possible, to Republic Square, within, you know, a, a short walking distance of a few blocks mm-hmm. at most, because I feel more comfortable there. And when I was mm-hmm. there in 2022, um, I was staying in an apartment. It was great. You know, you could just go right out the door and five minutes later you were in front of uh, the Marriott and um, the government buildings and all of that. And and that was just fine for me. You're coming to Armenia. Chances are you probably have U.S. dollars in your pocket, which aren't going to do you a heck of Mm -hmm. a lot of good over there. So one needs to transfer money to the Armenian drum. And there are and this is what I I really want to hear from you about this. There are many different places that you can do that. What are your recommendations? Mm -hmm. So uh, a couple of things to note on this. Uh, First of all, I'm very much like you. I always like to be close to the city center as much as possible. And most of that is because I really like walking everywhere. So if you have the option to stay in the city center, that's um, definitely a great way to start the trip. Um, when it comes to specifically Yerevan, um, if uh, like we were saying earlier, most of the flights land at very late times. Um, a lot of if in different cities, my experience is that you would go there and there's not necessarily much to do at that time. No. Um, but in Yerevan, um, the city is very much alive, um, no matter what day of the week it is. Especially if you're going uh, during the warmer seasons, um, you'll find people on the streets. You'll find a lot of restaurants that are open 24 hours um, and a lot of uh, shops and uh, shops as well. So if you need to buy something, I think I made two videos on this. It was the what's open at 7 a.m. Yes, there was a part two to that with, you know, more places um, that you can go like supermarkets and whatnot. So when it comes to exchanging your money, um, the the banks are not they don't have a bad rate so the banks are not a bad place to go but there's also a sas supermarket which is sas supermarket you will see them everywhere you know it's like the most uh, famous and most of them are open 24 hours 
um, and they do have a little exchange booth, which that booth might not be open 24 hours, but there is um, an exchange booth in those supermarkets um, that you can go there to exchange with a good rate. Um, there is another random one that I mentioned before in one of the videos. Um, it's on Apovian Street. There's a shoe store called Baldi, which is like similar to Aldo. Mm -hmm. And uh, inside the shoe store, funny enough, they have a great exchange place with a good rate. So those are the places that I usually would go if I need to exchange. Um, but one thing to note is a lot of places accept credit cards. And now actually being in, like, I, I was in Berlin last week and Prague after that. I'm realizing that in Yerevan, more places accept cards than here. So it, it's funny that people sometimes think that in Armenia, that people won't accept card payments, but that's not the case. So if for your first night, you don't want to exchange money or you don't want to worry about that right away, there's a very big chance that your um, American credit card would work um, to pay for things there for a couple. Of, I know there might be, obviously, based on your bank, there might be some um, fees and whatnot for the transactions. But, you know, if you're in an urgent situation or you just don't have the, you know, you don't want to prioritize getting the exchange, that's also an option. Yeah. And you mentioned the fact uh, that banks have fees and all of that. I think one good thing that you that everybody should do is before you come to Armenia, let your credit card come, call your credit card, call the bank and let them know that you're going to be overseas and using the card overseas so that they don't all of a sudden start yep. seeing these charges coming up from Yerevan, Armenia and say, uh-uh, what's going on here? And put a hold on the transaction. That hasn't happened to me, but I know that it can. And I think that that's always a very smart thing to do. And you mentioned SAS or, or SAS, whatever they call it there. Um, that's the mm -hmm. one I always went to. I went to the one on Armenian Street, um, just yeah. a couple of blocks from the from Republic Square. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Patil, but is the, I think there's a limit as to how much you can transact in a single transaction or exchange in a single transaction. I think it's like 500 US dollars. Um, which is, you know, still quite a bit of money. So you're, you're not going to be broke or anything like that. Just keep that in mind that if, you, if you're going to walk in there with, you know, and here's $3,000, can I exchange that? No, I don't think they're going to say yes to that. I could be wrong, but I, I seem to recall them giving a $500 US dollar limit on a single transaction doesn't mean you can't go back a few hours later and do it all over again. Um, yeah, or a know. different location. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or go to a different, um, go to a different location. I think uh, over $100, they do require to see a passport. So yes. um, just keep that in mind. And thank you, you for mentioning that. With you. Um, yeah, of course. And uh, I think one time when I needed to um, pay for the first month last month and broker fee for this apartment I was renting, I think I needed a little bit more than um, that amount. So uh, more than 500 So I think they were okay with it with the passport. But to your point, it could be possible that things change. You know, they, there's always new laws and things that they come up with. Um, but to your point, you, you know, there's a few different uh, SaaS supermarkets within walking distance. So nothing stops you from, you know, going to the next one or going to a bank and exchanging more money if need be. But also $500 is a lot of money um, for Yerevan if it's for your day to day. So that's, um, I think it would be okay to do it in smaller increments if, right. you know, especially if you're going to have it in your pocket or in your apartment, you don't have a bank account there. So it's, I, maybe it would be even better to have it in smaller increments right. than to exchange everything. And, and you don't want to walk you know, around with that amount, that amount of money in your pocket. And, and, you know, and you're standing there in the line. And so everybody who's standing there in the line 
They can see they, they, they can see how yeah. much money you're giving up close, and, and you've got to be very yeah exactly up close. So you've got to be very very careful about that. Checks. Yeah. People have asked, can you write checks and use checks over in Armenia? And I think the simple answer to that, tell me if I'm wrong, is no. At least not the way we do it here. And let me just preface that by saying that when my mother and sister had gone um, and I had given them uh, a couple of checks to use for donations that they were making in uh, the Tavush region of Armenia. And I mm-hmm. thought that they had just gone to the local bank and exchanged that for Armenian dirhams. I later found out I was mistaken that they did not do that. And also, uh, kudos to our liaison uh, in Armenia for the Knights and Daughters of Vartan who questioned me when I said that and because she's like, I don't think they can do that. She was absolutely right. You can't do that. You cannot use uh, checks over there the way we do over here. Um, What they had done, unbeknownst to me until later, was that they cashed the checks over here first, took the cash, went over there, and then did it, and then gave the cash which they exchanged over there. So, you know, for people who think they can whip out their checkbook in Armenia, think again. Because that I don't that doesn't that does not happen. So you've got your money now. You've got your place to stay, you know, whatever location or whatever part of Yerevan that may be, assuming that you're staying in the city. Now you want to get around. And there are many different ways mm-hmm. to do it. And you mentioned, by the way, and you mentioned my favorite way, because I'm a huge walker. I walked, I cannot tell you how many miles or kilometers I covered in Yerevan during my last couple of visits there. I mean, I walked all over the entire city, and I loved every minute of it. I start my visits to Armenia. I mean, I get there in the middle of the night. I go to my wherever I'm staying. I sleep for a couple of hours. Then I get up, and my way of saying, hello, Armenia, is I walk over to the Cascade, and I run to the top. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's my my, – and when I get up there and I look at that incredible view from the top of the Cascade or Cascade, the way some people pronounce it, it is just – First of all, it's breathtaking. And secondly, that to me makes me really feel like I'm there. You know, not walking through an airport at two o'clock in the morning when you can get up there and see the incredible vista that is Yerevan from that height. It is just a stunning view. And it's a wonderful way to, to introduce yourself to the city. But getting around, though, there are different options for people who want to just be able to get around the city. You've talked about the Gigi app, which I know a lot of people use. Talk a little bit about public transportation, the public transportation system in Yerevan. You've done a number of videos on that, including you've, I think you wrote every single line on the Yerevan subway, (laughs) which I've watched. But talk about how easy is it to get around Yerevan using public transportation and specifically for people for whom Armenian is not their first language. Can it be done? This is... This is a, it's a, it's an interesting question because um, even for me personally, other than riding the metro, so the metro, you're right, I, I did a video on riding every single station and uh, it didn't take me too long to make that video. Uh, <laughs> there is two parts to it, but 
it's not uh we're not you know like it's not a complicated line it's one line it's one single line that goes um two opposite ways um it's only 100 dirhams to ride the the, the public transport whether it's buses or the metro um it's a very kind of uh, the system of it is that you you know you either give them the 100 dirham on the bus or if you're uh, on the metro you just buy a little token and then you do there's no like tickets or transfers or anything like that um, with that being said, I personally don't take the the buses around as much. It's just that because a yeah, I walk I walk everywhere. But if, if I'm going somewhere that's not a walkable distance, um, I still choose to take the GG. Just because, even though of course it's more expensive than the public transport, but if you are there for a limited time, um, it's not as expensive as like an Uber. So it's still very affordable to take the the taxi around, and um, the signage on the buses are only in Armenian. So even for me personally, um, I haven't felt the need or kind of integrated into my life to take the the buses. Uh, I have taken the metro quite a few times and on the metro it's there's also in English you see the locations and it's also good to note that um, Google Maps works very well in in Yerevan. Yes it does. Um, God so bless it. Yeah like <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think for me I I'm not too um i'm not too experienced on the buses itself to uh, i know there's new buses now that i would like to try them when i'm back um but i haven't personally used the public transport that much i now, just haven't felt the need to I, be I i agree with you and it's been the same for me now when i am there uh, for part of the time i was there i rented a car and this is just for initially for getting around in yerevan and i didn't have any problem at all. It was very easy to do. And I, I went to this particular car rental agency, which is uh, located actually a very short walk from the opera house. I won't name it, but I went there. All I had to do was show them my passport and my American driver's license. And I was able to rent a car without any problem whatsoever. And, you know, I've, I've driven in Europe before and I figured, hmm, how difficult can it be? It wasn't. Because again, yeah. as, as we were saying, the road the roadsides are all in English. Google Maps works over there, so I had absolutely no trouble getting around the city at all. And the big test for me, and we'll we'll talk about going elsewhere in Armenia in just a few minutes, was when I took the car and I drove to Tavush, particularly mm-hmm. the city of Bert, in what had to be the thickest fog I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> that was a it was a scary trip. I mean, it's not it's not Tavushu's fault, but I had never ever driven in fog like that before, and so you know, and it being a first time there, it was a little scary. I won't lie to you. And uh, but once I got there, I had no problem getting around and then getting back to Yerevan. But what do you see? Are there advantages to to renting a car, or can most people do just fine without one? Particularly if they're staying within the city limits. If they're staying within city limits, definitely, I don't think that you would need it. Um, again, I definitely encourage walking as much possible and then if need be, um, just taking a taxi. Um, with that being said, I personally never rented a car in, in Armenia. I am um, kind of making this plan to do a video on that, to rent a car and actually drive in Armenia myself and 
and film what that experience would be like to share with everyone. So I've been quite to quite a few different cities outside of uh, Yerevan and I've been able to do it without uh, having to rent a car because um, also it's important to note that when you're um, getting a taxi, you can also take a taxi and mark that you're going outside of Yerevan trip and you can still do it. With that being said, there's also shuttles. So um, I've gone to Lori quite a few times. Um, there was probably like three months that every weekend I was going to Lori, which is at the very north of Armenia, mm-hmm. um, about like three to four hour um, ride there. So through the, again, I'm plugging Gigi again, uh, but through the Gigi app, there is something called shuttles where they pick you up from, you kind of like buy one seat within the car. Um, and it's a very affordable, like uh, 1,500 Armenian dirhams, which um, now I can't convert it right away to USD. But That's like, okay. Um, but you three, can share, three, so are you sharing the ride like with, are you sharing, I beg your pardon, forgive the interruption. Are you sharing the ride no, with others right. then? Is that what you're doing? Exactly. And and it's not just uh, someone who's going uh, to there and that they're listing their car, like similar to something that exists in Europe, but it's an actual, um, you know, registered driver that is picking up four passengers. So you're sharing the ride with this four passenger and the pickup location is very central. It's um, at the Madena Taran. So um, very central location, or sometimes it could be one of the metro stations like Yeridas Artuchun, that you just go to that metro station and the application will tell you the car number of the, you know, your car. Um, and again, the payment all happens on the application and then you just sit in that one car with the other passengers and you get to your destination. So to major cities, even actually to major events, um, the application will have shuttles to those places. My special thanks to Patil Tutunjan, the founder and host of The Armenian Traveler, which you can find on YouTube and which is a goldmine of useful and important information explained in a very casual and entertaining way on how to prepare for and enjoy Armenia to its fullest, as there's so much to enjoy. On our next episode, we'll continue our conversation with Patil as we focus a bit more on transportation, shopping, as well as entertainment, and visiting both the well-known and lesser-known sites of Armenia. I hope you'll join me for that. One more thing that I want to mention, and that is that if you know when you're going to be visiting Yerevan, let our liaison, Gohar Palya, know, and you can reach her at knightsofvartan at gmail.com. Tell her when you'll be in the city, and you can visit our Knights of Vartan office, which is in the Marriott Hotel in Republic Square, and sign the official guest book. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our many Knights and Daughters of Vartan social media platforms. We're on Facebook, of course, but you'll also find us on Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And don't forget our quarterly digital and print publication, Avaride. You can also hear the Talking Vartan podcast, not only on Knights and Daughters of Vartan social media, but anywhere that you can listen and download podcasts. And you can contact me, Asped David Medzorian, at talkingvartanpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Special thanks, as always, to Mal Barsamian for our theme music, Lorke Lorke, from his album, One Take, Armenian Dance Songs. 
Talking Vartan, the Knights and Daughters of Vartan podcast is the exclusive property of the Knights and Daughters of Vartan and Osped David Medzorian. Any use of this program without the expressed written permission of both parties is prohibited. It was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who said, Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. Thank you for your service to the Knights and Daughters of Vartan. I'm Osped David Medzorian of Adadat Lodge No. 1 in Boston. Shnoragalem, Sideli Paregamnej.